We are joined now by Manny Anacol, who, of course, has been on our show several times to discuss his latest series of dailies and weeklies. He writes about the esports business scene on Medium.com. He is a former executive of many, 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 many uh, companies in the gaming space. Manny, how's it going today? I'm doing great, Kevin. Good to be back. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on again. And oh, boy, oh, Boy, do we have fun things to talk about. The, and I joked before that the uh, CSGO world is on fire. Not a good thing. It's literally on fire right now, and it's a bad thing. I, I don't know if you have the same impression. I think it's like gasoline and napalm and like even more gasoline and napalm on a daily basis. <laughs> so I think, I think your fire analogy is absolutely correct. And the interesting thing is that, you know, if you remember a couple of weeks ago on the show when the first news broke about, CSGO Diamonds and Mo, when you and I addressed it, you know, I don't want to say that, you know, we're necessarily profits. A lot of people in the space have been talking about this for a while, but I think you and I were at least sitting on the deck of that ship going, hey, let's at least look at that iceberg coming towards us. Right. Absolutely. And the crazy thing to me is that we've, again, I, I feel like we've been screaming about this for a couple of months on this show now, but like, not only have we seen this iceberg coming, we knew how to avoid it with six other sports that have hit that same iceberg in the past. Like, it's crazy to me that we still haven't learned the lessons of every other major organized sporting competition environment that has sprouted up. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I, oh, go ahead. No, I apologize. And I think you're, you know, absolutely right. And I, you know, to be honest, this isn't the first time. And it's not going to be the last time because it, at the end of the day, it's human nature because there's a lot of money at stake. Anytime that you have millions and billions of dollars at stake, there's going to be some unscrupulous behavior and people are going to get greedy. And that's happened since the beginning of time. I'm sure there were ticket scalpers back in the Coliseum back in the day, if you want to take it back. Then. So this is going to happen and to continue, but it's just unfortunate that we're dealing with it at a point when we're starting to see esports on TV and Sports teams. I mean, Manchester City announced this morning they they got invested in a FIFA player. So you know, it's a bad time. We have a lot of the spotlight on the industry. And every week that goes by that we just don't address this, we don't figure this out, it just drives me wild. I mean, because, like you said, there's so much money at stake right now, and the level of sponsors that are considering esports right now is unlike anything that we've ever seen in the industry, and we need to shape up. Okay, so... Um, so so I, I want to dive into your articles because a lot of what you've written recently I think is super interesting and I think needs um, <laughs> more people need to see the significance of some of this. One thing you wrote not too long ago, it's been a while since we've been we've had you on the show, your weekly number 12 was about Tencent's eSports domination. For those of you who don't know out there, Tencent is a Chinese entertainment company. They have their hands in a lot of pots, but for the purposes of this discussion, let's just say that they own a stake of about every major eSports company out there not named Valve. Um, to put it in perspective, they own 100% of Riot, which produces League of Legends. They just recently acquired the the controlling stake in, in uh, Supercell, uh, which was valued at an incredible over $10 billion. Uh, he They bought an 84% stake of that. They have a 12.5% stake in Activision Blizzard. They have a 40% stake in Epic Games. They have a 21.5% stake in Glue Mobile. These guys have a piece of every pie in esports, and I don't think that this goes noticed enough. Talk a little bit about just what the significance of this is that you have that big of a conglomerate that has their hands in so many pots. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's really crazy that Tencent has gotten to be that big 
without a lot of noise really in the Western media. And I think, you know, primarily it's because they're a Chinese-based company and a lot of the acquisitions that they've made and the growth they've made in this space, um, you know, has been in the Asian market, not so much in the Western market. But, you know, most recently in the last couple of years, you know, from the companies that you just mentioned, from the investments in Activision Blizzard, from Glue, from Epic, and obviously now with Supercell, they're clearly moving into the Western market. And there, there's so many numbers with Supercell that we could talk about, you know, but just from the top line, just to put it in perspective, how massive this company is, everyone thinks Activision Blizzard is huge, you know, EA is huge, but just from pure money, you know, EA makes about $4.5 billion last year, Activision Blizzard made about $6.5 billion, Supercell made over $11 billion. So they're absolutely huge, for sure. And now the other bigger piece is mobile. You know, I've been saying it for a while that, you know, I like Banglory. You know, we talk, we've talked about Banglory before, you and I, and I think it's got a chance, but I really, really think, and it's not because my bias, and I'm not going to admit how much money I've spent, but I love <laughs> Black Royale. It's a great game, and it yes. works perfectly. I think it's great for esports, and you see the little moves they've done. Like, for those that play the game or for those that haven't, you know, they've, they've released a mode where, you know, you can watch other people playing the game inside of the game. So why do you need a Twitch or a Mob Crush when you actually have the platform inside the game? And the most recent feature this past week was local tournaments. So here in New York, where I live, um, you know, I can play people around me via locally to compete, you know, for prizes inside the game. The crazy part is I happen to check at midnight, 8 a.m., noon, 4 p.m., and again, constantly the first couple of days, and the tournaments are already packed. So either their servers were down or it's a feature bug, which I don't think so because they're very smart, or Mm -hmm. they had another home run at Eastworth and both. So Tencent's going to be massive. Tencent already is massive, though, and I think that's a lot of the point that, uh, you know, as someone who's been, it's funny, I used to work for Netties, right, which is the smaller but, you know, equivalent company in in China uh, and was always the big competitor to, uh, or I guess, you know, Netties always viewed Tencent as the the company they looked up to as their competitor. So I had a taste of kind of how these companies operate and things like that. And believe you me, Tencent is very smart about what they're doing. They understand the, the market and where it's going. They know that you know and you kind of mentioned this here uh esports isn't necessarily part of their short-term revenue targets but long term they are positioned to be the world leader and we're not talking about like a world leader but like the world leader the only games that they don't in some form control are really things that belong to valve right now yep absolutely it's really just you know dota and counter-strike and they have everything else i mean that's pretty much it when you talk about you know esports revenue that's being generated it's those three games. So, and you haven't even looked about, you know, the explosion in live streaming. You and I have talked about that in terms of the companies that come over there, like Panda and Tencent already has their investment in Douyu. They have VR that we're talking about. They recently were uh, launched their TGP, which is their Tencent gaming platform. It literally looks almost kind of like a mini Xbox almost. Then you're talking about, you know, potentially live events because, you know, obviously with the massive reach and infrastructure. But one thing that's really coincidental is, you know, just before we got on, you were talking about um, the, the UFC promotion at Las Vegas. Tencent was rumored to be buying the UFC. I like, heard that, that way back when. I remember that. Yeah. 
Yeah, so what did I imagine if that happens? So you're talking about them, you know, locking up sort of this, you know, future sports area, if you will. Talking about the media opportunity, obviously a huge, massive, growing millennial market. I don't, I don't know how big the UFC could be in, in Asia, but obviously it's massive here in the U.S. So to dominate that, you know, you look at them getting their feelers everywhere, and it, it's really, really amazing uh, to see. It's going to be amazing to watch. There you have it. We're talking here with Manny Anacol, of course, who's been on our show several times to talk about the business scene behind esports, viewership, sponsorship, what's going on uh, even behind the scenes with this drama of Counter-Strike gambling. So another thing that we frequently talk about to switch gears here real quick before we break and then come back and talk about uh, the the gambling issue that you've been writing about. So we always touch on E-Leak televised numbers, and you just recently released those. They weren't in the weekly, but you put them out on Twitter. Um, so, so 265,000 total viewers fairly in line with what we've seen from broadcast this week 138,018 to 49 so now that we're done with the regular season of e-league what generally have you thought about the viewership figures you've seen so far yeah you know you know now that we're six weeks in you know obviously we've got you know a lot of data points but you know it's been a little varied to be honest and i've been a little bit surprised you know we had the really big peak um in week two that's been the highest so far at about, you know, almost 400,000 total viewers and over 200,000, 18 and 49 viewers. And then it sort of plateaued when you take away the anomaly of the Friday that it went against the NBA Finals Game right. 4. It's kind of been consistent, right? So, you know, I would, have, I would have liked to have seen a little bit of growth. I mean, what does that say? Again, we only have very few data points, but is there a stagnation? Like, is there a new audience that's potentially there? You know, we don't know yet. It's very, very tough to tell on that. So I would have liked to have seen and maybe expected a little growth, but it wasn't there during the regular season. So now that we're sort of, you know, approaching the big time and the bigger teams are playing and getting into the finals, now is where, okay, it's, it's put up or shut up when it comes to number of times. So we're closing it out, you know, the last couple of weeks. So it'll be really, really interesting. But on separately, I thought, you know, ESPN making another announcement and showing Street Fighter, um, I thought going to be interesting. Now, I believe is now the third esports that will be on ESPN. Yeah, so so for those of you who are wondering what Manny's talking about, it was just recently announced that with a partnership with Evo, the Street Fighter Five finals uh, at Evo were going to be broadcast live on ESPN2. And my suspicion, I'm glad you brought this up as the last thing we hit on real quick before we go to a break, um, I actually believe that fighting games, and this is, stepping a little bit outside of what we talked about up to this point, I think a fighting is the best possibility to do well immediately with a mainstream audience. I'm not saying that that'll be the eSport that resonates with them over time. Maybe as they become more accepted, we see a different genre. But in the short term, I see fighting games as having a good visceral appeal to the general sports or the ESPN crowd, more so than things like Heroes of the Dorm. I totally 100% agree with you, and I think you just say that because you like to agree with me. <laughs> well, there you go. Absolutely. No, but uh, but you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, like, fighting games are something that even if you don't play a fighting game, you inherently understand immediately what's going on on screen. Some other ones don't necessarily have that advantage. And then that's what I've been saying the entire time. And again, I've been biased because I'm a huge Street Fighter fan back to my college days playing on Super Nintendo. So I love the game itself. But when I take that away from it, it's like there's so much to turn it on. It's very easy to say, hey, that person beat that person. He punched them and he won, and the game takes place in a very few minutes. You know, you can spend an hour in a beginner's guide 
with League of Legends, and you still may not know what's going on. So I totally agree with you. You know, I'm really looking forward to seeing those numbers on ESPN, and I really, really um, am pushing for Street Fighter in the medium. All right, well, there you have it. This is uh, Manny Anacol, who is uh, uh, publishing his recent series of eSports weeklies and dailies on Medium.com. You can find him at Manny Anacol there. In just a minute, we're going to be talking about his most recent pieces, how much YouTube, Twitch, and streamers make from Counter-Strike gambling and the impact of on brands in e-league from counter-strike's gambling mess if you guys have questions about that we're going to get into those stories in just a second you can reach out to us right now at 844-BR-RADIO that's 844-277-2346 or you can find us on twitter at SiriusXM Esports or at Kevin Naki Steel wins battles gold wins war to us, this isn't a game. This is life. Begin the fight. You're listening to IGN Esports Today on Sirius XM Bleacher Report Radio. Game on. This is IGN Esports Today on Sirius XM's Bleacher Report Radio. Here's your host, Kevin Nucky. Welcome back once again, ladies and gentlemen, here to IGN Esports Today on Bleacher Report Radio, Sirius XM Channel 83. We're joined alongside by Manny Anacol, and we've been talking about the world of esports business. We're going to be swapping over to, of course, the hot topic of the, well, past couple of months, and that is the Counter-Strike gambling world. CSGO skins gambling, betting on matches has actually reached an incredibly new uh, dizzying height of an estimated $7.5 billion a year in transactions on esports gambling. That's just insane to me. It's, it's order of magnitude larger than the revenues that are coming into esports themselves. I even asked on Twitter today, my esports question of the day was, is Valve responsible for the current explosion of unregulated CSGO gambling? With 3,300 votes in, 60% say no, it's on third parties. 40% say yes, Valve is responsible. They are the ones, of course, who make the skins able to be sold or traded to third parties or other players. So the question is, how much are they responsible? So, Manny, I throw that question to you to kick off our discussion. Do you think that Valve is complicit in in creating this betting market? Is it a combination of them and the third parties? Um, should they be addressing this themselves? Yeah, you know, it's interesting that your poll came out 60-40. I would actually, I would have thought it would have been majority would have said, you know, Valve would have been more complicit. So I think that's interesting how it is from the public's perspective. But I'll obviously, you know, give you my my point of view on, on the matter. I think, you know, overall, you know, let's, let's get a couple of sort of, you know, facts out of the way and then get into sort of some of the qualifications. You know, one is, mm-hmm. you know, as Valve does control the underlying software for the direct purchase, you know, of the skins and the keys when you do um, the crate unboxing and you get the various items, yes, they do take the transactions from there. However, when it goes to the secondary market, all the gambling stuff, you know, that's the areas where now these third parties and all the random sites popped up. Now, what I'm saying is now Valve is not directly involved in setting up those gambling areas of the sites. However, I do believe they're definitely complicit indirectly for a couple of reasons. You know, one is when they set up the in-game arms market, as they themselves referred to it, you know, they saw a massive increase in engagement. Now, again, a company is, you know, allowed to do, you know, what they need to do to make a profit. There's nothing to say against that. But, you know, once you start seeing that increase in that proliferation and engagement, 
you definitely saw an increase in, hey, all these sites starting mushrooming around about, let's go ahead and gamble and, and you know, bet on, on your skin. So I think they have to have known that. Secondarily, you also see there's a huge correlation between live streaming games and esports and how that game itself does in the market. For example, you know, whenever a DLC comes out, a lot of streamers, downloadable content for new games, they'll go on and stream that. And there's a really big symbiosis in market there. So people need to realize that. So, you know, I think Valve, you know, also took that and needs to take that into account. So does Valve get every cent or involved in that $7 billion number? No, but, you know, they're definitely involved. I guess it's like saying, hey, we just made these weapons, but it's your choice to use it how you see fit. You know, what's crazy to me is that it's not only the fact that Valve started and created a system that allows you to transfer these skins. It's the fact that they've been so freaking quiet while all of this drama, all of this stuff has been happening, and they've not said a word. Legally, I can understand the ramifications of making a statement, and then later there's action or court cases, but this is typical Valve. And we've got a big enough scandal on our hands that I think it has to be addressed by them in some capacity here, and I'm incredibly frustrated that they haven't. And I'll be the first to say, starting to lose respect for them as a company the longer that they stay silent about this. And I agree with you. And I, I think, you know, I think we've been some of the early ones saying like, hey, come out, a massive company, billions of dollars at are at stake here, you know, come out and, you know, put an end to this. Because, you know, again, not only like we addressed it from an esports perspective, but hey, you know, you've got a lot of young kids, you know, under the age of 18. They're not only playing your games and providing you a ton of money across, you know, the Steam ecosystem, but then, you know, you're silently profiting it from all the underage gambling that's going on that's completely unregulated. So I agree with you. Like, just come out and say it and address the issue. Otherwise, you let that issue run further and further. So I agree. Not I think Valve is definitely complicit in that sense it should come out. But further, you know, on top of this, you know, this would never have happened without some of the underlying platforms like YouTube and Twitch also taking into account. On oh, absolutely. Of what Martin and Syndicate did. So there's a lot of people um, that need to share some of the blame here. So there are ramifications for this, too. And in, in our last question, here's the last thing we'll get to talk about before we have to go. Your most recent article was about the impact on brands in E-League from Counter-Strike's gambling mess. And as someone who's had to work with and educate plenty of endemic and non-endemic brands about esports and the scene and stuff like that, I think you raise a very good point. Whether we want to admit it or not, it's maybe not necessarily that any specific brand has been turned off by this mess, but it's very telling when your latest major, largest tournaments in the entire world for millions Millions of dollars don't have any non-endemic sponsors. Um, why? I mean, what? Tell us very really the impact of this sort of situation, this sort of drama on the ability of non-endemic sponsors to spend. Yeah, and I think it's a very, very big point. I mean, I think first of all is we need to take a step back. Is you know when you look at you know either the you know, ESL Counter Strike League or obviously Turner's E League or even Face It. And Twitch's league, and, you know, the big one that you mentioned is ESL1 Cologne that's going on. Is, you know, obviously, you know, we've had these events in some of these leagues before, and you haven't seen these big brands, you know, such as the Comcast, the Toyotas, or the Vistas enter the space. 
because primarily Counter-Strike is a violent first-person shooter. That's what the game is. So, you know, major Fortune 500 companies, major media companies, are just never going to partner with a game that's very violent. Second of all, the game is, I mean, you have terrorists win and defusing bombs in that game. Even Let's not even talk about the current political climate on top of what that game has already been like for, you know, 10 plus, 15 plus years that the game's been around. So that's always been not only Counter-Strike's problem, it's a first-person shooter problem. I mean, you look at even MLG's side when they do Gears of War or Halo or Call of Duty, even they've had challenges in selling that. So first-person shooters have always been very tough. So when you add in the first-person shooter element, now you add in underage gambling, now you add in bribery, now you add in scams, doping and everything else, it just makes it really, really harder for brands to want to partner in the space because what I always go back to is, ultimately, if you want to see esports grow and you want to turn into a real sports organization, we need to support who's providing the money right now, which is sponsors and advertising. So we need to make it work for them if you want to make it work for the industry. I couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Manny, as always. We really appreciate your perspective. Um, everyone can check out his stuff right now on Medium.com uh, as at Manny on a call. And uh, definitely check out his Esports Weeklies and Esports Dailies. They are fantastic uh, reading material. Uh, thanks again, as always, Manny. I'm sure we'll have you on again soon to talk about your next couple stories. Absolutely, Kevin. Thank you so much. You have a great week.